Awesome. Grab a seat. Welcome to Daybreak Community Church this morning, August 14th. We're halfway through August. There's some students here that are going, that means like two weeks till school. So that's uh, for parents. There's an excitement that comes when we hit the middle of August. Uh, let me let me give you one announcement. It's going to be uh, an early announcement. Uh, in two weeks, so in your mind, two weeks, August 28th, we're going to not have church in here. We're actually going to meet just right by Renfrew Baptist Church. We're going to have both of our churches come together for a service and food. There we go. <laughs> You do not have to cook that day. Uh, here's the cool thing with that is, you know, we're in this network. We, Renfrew and Daybreak work together. Uh, I run to, to Renfrew right after this. Uh, we're going to have a, our first picnic together and service together. So you'll want to come. We'll get you some information through email and through our website in the next uh, few days. But free food, you can never argue with free food. Uh, today we celebrate communion. So you came in, you, you got a communion element. I'm actually going to have uh, Glenn lead us in communion. That way it won't feel rushed. Glenn, at the end of my message, will actually uh, lead us in communion. We're talking about this summer series we're in, God Is. God Is, and it, it, I love Don. Don this morning said to me, uh, your title, the message you don't want to hear, should I just turn off your mic so then nobody can hear you? Uh, but we're going to actually keep the mic on. When we talk about God's holiness, it, it's one of those subjects that we look at and we go, we know He's holy, but we're always nervous to kind of dwell in that holiness. It, it reminds us of who God is and who we really are, and how short uh, we are in that. Uh, actually, if you want a technical way of looking at it, holy, that God is holy is mentioned 637 times in Scripture. Some would say that it's actually the least popular. I, I, I want to warn you, this message might stir some things up in you, because when you experience this attribute of God, it might shake you. You might fall to your knees in repentance. You might might celebrate in worship. You see this attribute of God and you suddenly realize who you really are. Let's pray and then we'll, we'll look in at what God has to say to us. God, thank you. As we look in at Isaiah chapter 6, May your word be really strong to us. May your word be the one that speaks. Lord, we love that when we look at Scripture, it always reveals something about who you are and who we are. And so as we open up your word, may it be you that speaks, not Matt. We ask all this in your name. Amen. All right, Isaiah chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, turn there. If you don't, it's okay. We'll, we have it on the screen. But Isaiah chapter 6, we're going to read a chunk of it together. Isaiah 6 verse 1, here's what it says. In the year, in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord 
high and exalted, seated on the throne, and his robe filled the temple. You can use your imagination and and see that image. Above him were seraphim. So use your imagination. You're sitting in a movie theater. Do you see this on the screen? Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying and they were calling to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. This would make a great movie. Let me give you a little background because then it will help you understand when we see this King Uzziah, what, what this actually means. So Isaiah said that King Uzziah died. It was the year that King Uzziah died. We don't know a lot about Uzziah, King Uzziah, but here's the interesting thing. He started his reign when he was 16 years old. So think of a 16-year-old that you know. Now put them as a king. He was the king for 52 years. So he started at 16. He was the king for 52 years. So over half a century, he was the king. And when he died, as you can imagine, people felt incredibly unstable. And the prophet says, when the prophet says that this was the year that King Uzziah died, he could have said, this was the end of an era. This was the season where people started to feel anxious. This was the season when people started to feel scared. This is why they felt unsettled. This was the season, just like us, where people feel unsettled. We're unsettled with what's going on in this world. We're unsettled with the turmoil, the the tension, the anxiety. And the prophet Isaiah sees that the Lord is high and lifted up, exalted. That God is still on the throne. He is, his robe fills the entire temple. And then we get kind of some interesting words from Isaiah. Isaiah says this, above him were seated, were the, uh, sorry, were these six winged creatures. And they were called, here's a fancy word for us this morning, the seraphim. The seraphim were worshiping God. You might say, what's a seraph? What's a a seraphim? Interesting enough, interestingly enough, this is the only time that that word is used, seraph. So what does seraph or seraphim mean? It literally means this, and use your imagination, burning ones. And we don't know what they looked like, but here's one artist rendition of what a six-winged creature may look like as they're worshiping God. So imagine this, okay? Six wings, two of them to fly, two of them to cover their faces to shield themselves from the glory of God, which we read in Scripture, two of them covering their feet because they were positioned near holy ground. So do you see that image in your mind? And they sang in Hebrew these words, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Kadosh looks like, and when you read it, you read it from right to left, and they're singing Kadosh, 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 which means holy, holy, holy. 
In the Hebrew language, which we don't use often, (laughs) they do what people in our language do. They would underline something for emphasis. They would circle it, and maybe you've done that in your Bible. They would repeat something for emphasis. Jesus, when he was on the earth, would sometimes repeat words. He would say, verily, verily, I say unto you. Now, you and I do this with our kids, don't we? We repeat something for emphasis. Don't you, don't you, don't, 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 don't. Don't make me come over there. Don't, 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 put that down. Don't make me count to three. Don't do that. We do the same thing. This was the most easy way for the Hebrews to emphasize meaning. And it was one thing for the Hebrews to mention it twice. Holy, holy. But to to mention it three times, God is holy, holy, holy. Now, just like I mentioned 697 times the word holy is used in Scripture, this is the only time in all of Scripture where holy is mentioned three times in a row. You never read about the mercy, mercy of God. You never read about the justice, justice, justice of God. You don't even read about the love, love, love of God. But what you do see in Scripture is the Kadash, Kadash, Kadash. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In our culture today, the word holiness kind of gets thrown around broadly. You know it. Holy cow. Or some of you watch this on Friday nights. Holy moly golf, mini golf. Or holy smoke. Holiness, when you think about it, even when it's attributed to people, sometimes holiness attributed to Christians is, also, is often negative. You know, when people make fun of us as Christ followers, they say, you're holy. Maybe they've even used this word in your past, you're a holy roller. Or maybe they say, you're holier than thou. What we translate that to be is we're kind of rigid, kind of mean, we're kind of judgmental, we're holier than thou, we're a bunch of holy rollers, but what does holy mean? If we're attributing this to God, holiness means to be separate. It means to be set apart. It literally means this in the Hebrew language. It means to cut. It means to be a cut above means to be separate. One of my favorite preachers is named Tony Evans. I just like Tony because of his excitement, okay? So Tony uses this example. He says, you know those dishes in your home? Everyone has ordinary dishes. You know those ones you buy at Walmart or Bed Bath & Beyond? So you've got your normal dishes your Walmart dishes, and those are the ordinary dishes which you eat stew on. You might eat macaroni and cheese on them. They're ordinary dishes. But when important days come around, what do you do? You maybe were happened enough to be blessed with your grandma's fine china. Those don't go in the same 
Those don't go in the same place that your normal dishes do. They are set apart. They're in another part of the kitchen, or maybe if you have a dining room, they're in the dining room hutch. They're high and lifted up. And you'd never eat macaroni on your grandma's fine china. Now, maybe your parents said this, like they said to me, Matt, you can look at the china, but don't you dare touch the china. And then my parents would say this, you never throw those into the dishwasher. You always wash those by hand. Those dishes are holy. They're high and lifted up. God is set apart. God is separate. God is a cut above. And you may say, from what? What is God set up, set apart from? He's set apart from everything. Everything and everyone and everything that's ever been created, our God is set apart. Exodus 15, you'll see this on the screen. Verse 11 is a great question that fits this perfectly. Who among the gods is like you? Who is like you in holiness? Who is like you majestic in holiness? Who is God? God is completely, thorough, fully, entirely holy. He is good. He is pure. He is righteous. He is perfect without fault. He's without blemish. He is infinite. He is immeasurable. He is incomprehensible. Who is like our God? Who is like our God? You have to understand that our God is set apart. He's different. He's self-existent. He's self-sustaining. He's self-sufficient. God has wisdom that he didn't need to learn. God has strength that he didn't need to earn. God has a love that he didn't have to receive in order to know how to give. He is the God who was. He is the God who is. He is the God who is to come. There is no one like our God. Wake up this morning. And in the year that King Uzziah died, and everyone was unsettled, everyone was worried, the prophet of God, Isaiah, saw the Lord high and lifted up. And there were these beings that were worshiping him, saying, holy, holy, holy. In the presence of the God who is set apart, in the presence of the God who where there is no other, in the presence of a holy, holy, holy God, Isaiah cried out these words, and this is my prayer for us this morning. We would cry out the same words. Woe to me, I'm ruined. Another version actually says this, I'm undone. Why? If you look at your Bibles again in Isaiah chapter 6, look at verse 5 through 7. I'm in the presence of God. Isaiah is saying this, I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said this, See, this has touched your lips. Listen to this, your guilt. It has been taken away and your sin is atoned for. Friends, here's what I want you to notice. 
I want you to notice what Isaiah didn't do and what Isaiah did do. Notice what he didn't do. Isaiah didn't join the seraphim praising God. He didn't worship. What he did in the presence of a holy God was he confessed. He cried out, I'm unworthy. I'm undone. Woe to me. I'm ruined. And what did God do out of that confession from Isaiah? The answer is God didn't say a word. God just was. God was just so holy. His presence alone was enough to convict the prophet Isaiah that he needed to ask for forgiveness. And what did Isaiah say? Think about these words. I'm a man of unclean lips. Who said this? Remember, Isaiah was a prophet. What does a prophet do? A prophet prophesies. A prophet speaks on behalf of God. A prophet whose most holy body part, that which speaks the most truth, is the very first thing that he said, even my lips are unclean. I'm unworthy. See, when we come into the presence of God, I recognize just how sinful I really am. Listen to this quote from Billy Graham. It'll come on the screen. It's only when we understand the holiness of God will we understand the depth of our sin. Woe to me, I'm unclean. That's fascinating to me. If you watch what Isaiah did in the first thing, he confessed his own sinfulness. He said, woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. And then he confessed the sins of the entire community. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips. He confessed his sin first, which a lot of self-righteous Christians do the opposite, don't we? A lot of us walk around pointing out everyone else's sins. Can you believe they did this? Oh my gosh, we'll have to pray for her. We've got to lift her up in prayer because of the way she acts. A lot of self-righteous people, myself included, point out the sins of other people. See, you only can be self-righteous when you point out the sins of someone else. But when you're in the presence of God, you're not worried about their sin, you're just aware of your own sin. In the presence of a holy God, Isaiah proclaims these words, and I want to get better at saying these words. I'm ruined, I'm sinful, I'm lost, I'm undone, I'm destroyed. Isaiah didn't even negotiate with God. He didn't say this, and this would be Matt's words. God, you know, if you just forgive me this one time, like I promise, I'll never do this again. God, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said the thing that I said. I haven't had the purest thoughts, God. If you just forgive me now, I'll promise I'll read my Bible every day. I'll go to small group. I'll serve in the church. I'll sit in the front row of Daybreak Community Church. He didn't beg for forgiveness. God initiated the forgiveness. God sent a seraph with a burning coal that touches Isaiah's lips. God is the one who sent the seraph. And scripture says this in verse 7, Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. You see, God is so good that he initiated the atonement. God initiated the atonement in the same way he does for us. In the New Testament, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, that while we were still sinners, 
While we are lost in our lust, while we are lost in our lying, while we are lost in our deception, while we were still sinners, God sent Christ to die for us. Friends, God, He is holy, He is holy, He is holy. There's no one like Him. He is lifted high, He is set apart, He is a cut above. If God is holy, then God cannot sin. If God cannot sin, then he can't sin against you. If he can't sin against you, shouldn't that make him the most trustworthy being there ever is? I want you to understand that since God is holy, you can trust him. You know that verse, you can cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. If you're hurting, if you're afraid, he can, you can cry out to him. You can run to him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's always been faithful. He's always been good. He's always been loving. There's nothing that you can do that will cause him to love you more. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you less. God is holy. He's holy. He's holy. There's no darkness in him. He never sins. He cannot lie. Therefore, you can always trust him. I want you to watch what happens to the prophet Isaiah. He experienced this in a raw and vulnerable moment. The nation is shaking in fear. He sees this vision of the Lord lifted high. He's aware of his own sinfulness. And look at what it says in verse 8. He cries out, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And what's Isaiah's response? Here am I. Send me. Maybe that's our response this morning. Because of God's holiness, because of God's righteousness, because of God's goodness, because of God's atonement, because you initiated forgiveness to me, the one who is undone, the one who's unclean, the one who's unworthy, I'll go anywhere. God, you name the place, you name the time, you give me the assignment, whatever it is, my answer will always be yes. Here I am, send me. You want me to serve? I'll serve. You want me to forgive? I'll forgive. You want me to worship? I'll worship. You want me to love? I'll love. Well, what's your assignment, God? God, you're so holy. What else can I do? What else do I have? I will give it all to you. Friends, this week as I was preparing this, I kept coming back to the, am I stunned by the holiness of a God who has set me apart? Because when I didn't deserve it, he sent Jesus for me. This isn't like, I'm going to church, I'm going to become religious. Your only reasonable response is yes, anything, everywhere, anytime, whatever you want. The prophet with unclean lips in chapter 6. One chapter later, we're going to jump into Isaiah chapter 7. The holy God, the, the one that has called the prophet with unclean lips, prophesies this 700 years before Christ. Look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Just remember the journey that we've been on this morning. 
Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. Who is this? This is the Son of God. This is Jesus. This is the vine. This is the good shepherd. This is the Lamb of God. This is the door through which you enter. This is the one who laid down his life for you that you could be forgiven. This is God. This is holy, holy, holy. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. In the flesh, this is Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for a Savior who didn't come for the righteous, but those with unclean lips. He didn't come for the holy that we could save. He came for the unholy. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. While you were still sinning, while you were far away from God, He became one of you in the person of His Son, Jesus. You know what? You know what breaks my heart? And it has to break the heart of God that I need to go in a power that's greater than mine. I'm going to do everything that I can help to turn the tide. Friends, there's some people in the emerging generation behind us that are leaving Christianity. They've been disappointed by the church. And we could be in the same boat as them. We've been disappointed. They have questions. We haven't helped them wrestle with integrity through those questions. They're walking away. Here's why I am choosing to stay. Because I've got nowhere else to go. I've never been loved like this. Because there's no one like our God, I have no other choice. There's no one like our God. He initiated it. He initiated it when I was sinning. He loved me. Psalm 35 says this, when David proclaimed, with every bone in my body, with everything in my body, I will praise the Lord. Isaiah asked a a great question. Who can compare with you? Who rescues the helpless from the strong? Who protects the helpless and the poor from those who rob you? Who else can save you? Who can forgive your sins? Who can comfort you? Who can redeem you? Who is there always for you? If my God is for you, then no man can be against you. Who is God? He is Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. He is holy, holy, holy. When you experience the holiness of God, i got to warn you, it will stir you. It will shake you. You may want to fall to your knees and repent. You may want to fall on your face and worship because there's no one like Him. He's here right now with us. He's holy right now. God has always been holy, and in the presence of holiness, our only reasonable response is yes. Anytime, anywhere, All of me, send me, I'll go. You want to worship? I'll worship. He is the only one worthy of our praise. Let me pray and we'll transition into communion. Glenn will come up and lead us, but let me pray. God, thank you for the great gift of the term holy. We use it so flippantly simply because we don't always understand what set apart, or a cut above means.
God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, make it about the Holy Spirit now that prompts, guides, and leads. We don't need to be intimidated by your holiness. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, you tell us that we just need to come to you like children. And you'll take our burdens away from us. We thank you that you're holy. We're reminded of that hymn that we sang years and years ago of holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. May we be humbled that we get to communicate with a God who lavished his love on us through his son, Jesus. We ask all this in your most powerful name. Amen.